Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Today we're continuing a series that we started last week called Stuff Jesus Never Said. Stuff Jesus Never Said. And you might say, well, that's a, that's a pretty interesting and peculiar title for a series, but there's a reason that we're doing this series, Stuff Jesus Never Said. You know, there's a lot of times that, that through the years going to church and you know, the church universally, we've taken things that Jesus has said, and, and not always on purpose, but maybe we twisted them a little bit or we said some things and we've attached the name of Jesus to it. So what we'd like to do through this series is look at some things that Jesus never said, stuff that you think maybe he did say, but then you'll see what he really did say, and I think you might be surprised. So we're going to get in that today, stuff Jesus never said. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for another opportunity to meet together. We thank you for your grace, Lord. I pray today that as we get into the messages, we look into your word It wouldn't be my opinion, but yours. We would see things differently. We would be encouraged at what a loving father you are and how good it is to have life in Christ. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So I've got a curious question for you today. How do you fold your bath towels? How do you fold your bath towels? When I said that immediately, you went to, oh, the laundry's out and you're folding. Now, in our household, we do it three times, right? So we do it three times lengthwise. You do half, and then we do it again. And then widthwise, we go a third and another third. And that's how you fold a towel, right, Jessica? That's how you fold a towel. Now, many are like, no, 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 no. It's half and half, and that's all we do. Some of you, if you're a bachelor, are like, we fold towels? Right? We just, I grab them out of the dryer, and if I need one, they're in the corner. I know where they are. Wow. Is that one dirty? It might be. You know, it's interesting how we do things in our household. When Krista and I first got married, I was raised to fold towels in thirds. That's just how you did it. And I can't remember. I think she might have folded them a little differently, and we went my way. Let's just go with that this morning. She's not sitting there yet. And, and so we would fold in thirds, and now that's what we do. In fact, our, um, our middle son, who's still at home, we have, we have... Let me ask you, do you guys still do in thirds at your house? Yes, we do. See? See? She learned. She learned. My daughter folds in thirds. Now, my middle son, he's starting to do and fold laundry and things like that. And the other day, he was folding, and he didn't do it in thirds. And, and Kristen's like, hey, hey, um, that's not how we fold towels here. And he's like, what's the difference? I was like, I'm getting out of the room right now. <laughs> in 13 years, you've not learned a lot yet, have you? It's not about how we fold, but at the same time, we're used to doing things a certain way. It reminds me of a story. You, you may have heard this story, but... There was a family that would get together every holiday season, and they would do this big ham dinner. And at this particular holiday season, there was four generations. There was great-grandma, and there was grandma, and there was mom, and then there was the daughter. And mom's in the kitchen, and she's doing her normal thing, and she's preparing the ham. And her daughter's watching her prepare this ham. And as she does, she cuts the ends off the ham. And so the daughter sees this, and she realizes that every year mom cuts the ends off the ham before she seasons and prepares and puts it in the oven. And so she's like, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of weird. I wonder why you do that. So she says, hey, Mom, I got a question for you. She's like, well, what's up, honey? She said, why is it that you cut the ends off the ham? And the mom's like, well, to be honest with you, honey, um, that's what your grandma, my mom, always did. So I just cut off the ends like she did. They're like, really? Well, Grandma was standing in the kitchen. So the girl says, well, Grandma, what's up with that? 
I mean, why is it that you cut the ends off the ham? And Grandma thought for a minute. She goes, well, to be honest with you, I don't know. I, I, that's what my mom did. You're great-grandma. So they're all sitting here wondering, why do we cut the ends off the ham before we prepare it and put it in the oven? So they thought, well, maybe we should just ask Granny. Maybe great-grandma knows what's up. So they go into the living room where Grandma's sitting in the, the rocking chair, just kind of dozing off a little bit. You know, you've earned that luxury when you're in your 80s and 90s, right? I think you do when you're in your 40s, but don't tell anybody. So they go in and they say, hey, uh, Granny, I had a question for you. She goes, well, what's up, baby? What's going on? She says, I'm just wondering, um, we all seem to cut the ends off the ham when we prepare it before we put it in the oven. Is that a special recipe that helps with the flavors? Maybe it marinates different? I mean, does it cook differently? And Granny looked at her and she goes, why, honey, the reason I cut the ends off the ham is because I never had a pan big enough to fit it. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) See, they were cutting the ends off the ham. Why? Well, because great-grandma did it, and grandma did it, and mom did it, and I'm sure the daughter would continue, but maybe now she got a clue. We have pans big enough. We got plenty of pans, right? And then to fit that whole ham. But the point of it is a lot of times in life, I think we do things because we're used to doing them the same way. Like today, we're going to receive communion together. I thought, what better subject to talk about than communion? If we're going to receive communion together, let's talk about communion I mean, has it become so ritualistic, kind of like the family ham was, that we just do it because that's what we do? Has it become this religious experience, this religious thing that we do, a ceremony? Or is it a celebration of the relationship we now have with God? Has it become a time, listen to this closely, because I used to deal with this when it was time to receive communion and receive those elements. Has it become a time of somber self-condemnation and examination? We look at ourselves. Okay, am I good enough? Am I worthy? Okay, is there some sins? Is there an issue with me? Am I okay to do this? Or has it become a joyful proclamation? Every time we receive communion, we should proclaim, I am new in Christ. I am completely righteous. What does that word mean? It means right standing with God. It means okay with God. When we receive communion, it's important that our focus isn't on ourselves It's on what Jesus did for us. Now, some people say, well, pastor, I hear you, but but I've heard it. I mean, even the apostle Paul talks about taking the Lord's Supper in, in an unworthy way. But you know, he was addressing a specific church that had specific issues. You know, people were coming. Now, back then, this is pretty cool. Back then, the the covenant meal or the communion meal was a full meal. I mean, full-on meal, I think we should reinstitute that, right? Like, we have a full meal together, and then we get out the wine or the grape juice, for those who don't like wine, and the bread. But at that time, what happened is people were coming early. They were eating all the food, drinking all the wine. They were getting drunk. They had to be carried home. And then people come later in the day and go, yeah, this is cool. We get to celebrate. Wait, wait a minute. Where's the food? And so there was, there was quarrels among them, it says. They, there was dissension. And he says, you've forgotten the very meaning of this meal. It's become worthless. You're taking it in an unworthy manner. In fact, in one version, Paul says to him, if you're that hungry, eat a sandwich at home before you come in. But certainly don't eat everything. Save something for everybody so we all can celebrate Jesus. See, they made it about themselves, not about Jesus. So I want to look in Luke chapter 22. You want to turn there with me, Luke chapter 22. This is Jesus. He's just prepared for the Passover meal, and he's sitting here with his disciples, 
And it's beautiful what he says here, starting with verse 14. It says, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Verse 15. Then he said to them, with fervent desire. I want you to hold on to that word desire. With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. This is interesting. Here's Jesus. He's gathered with his disciples, and they're, they're eating the Passover meal. And he says, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, this word desire in the original Greek is the word epithemia. And this word epithemia means a craving or longing. It also means lust. You know, sometimes we think lust is just looking at a woman or looking at a guy for too long. But lust is this intense desire. Jesus was saying, I have this intense, fervent desire, this craving, this longing to have this final meal with you before I suffer. Now, the apostles didn't really know what was going on. They didn't realize it. Although he told them several times, I will die and I will rise again, they, they still didn't get it. But he was so excited. Why was he so excited about this Passover meal? Now, I think we need to get kind of into a Jewish mindset, first of all, to have a better understanding of this. You may not be familiar with Passover. Passover was the Jewish celebration of their exodus out of Egypt, their freedom from slavery. It was a celebration of their covenant with God. So every year when they got together, they would remember what God did for them. They were slaves for almost 400 years, actually over 400 years. And God, God came through Moses and set them free. So what's the Passover? It's a celebration of freedom from Egypt, freedom from slavery. It's also a celebration of a covenant with God because God cut a new covenant with these people at the time. Now, we refer to it as the old covenant, and we'll get into that. I don't want to use big words just to use them. I want us to understand what covenant means. Covenant is an agreement. But to understand what the old agreement or covenant was and the new makes a big difference in our lives. The Message Bible says this portion of Scripture like this. When it was time, he sat down, all the apostles with him, and said, You've no idea how much I have looked forward to eating this Passover meal with you before I enter my time of suffering. It's the last one I'll eat until we all eat it together in the kingdom of God. So why did Jesus have such a longing desire to share this meal with his disciples? I was thinking about this for Jesus, who was 33 at the time. This would have been his 33rd Passover celebration. Now, maybe he didn't remember the first or the second or maybe not the third, but I'll bet for about 30 years, as tight-knit as the Jewish culture and family is, that he got what this meant, right? He was celebrating it, but why would the 33rd Passover celebration be that important to him, be that big of a deal to him? This is why, because of the transition that was about to take place a brand new covenant. Now, covenants are always cut with blood. And how many know that Jesus shed his blood on a cross? Jesus knew what was going to happen. He was excited. Now, I'm sure it was like, yeah, they're going to beat me and I'm getting nailed to a cross. But it says that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. The joy of being seated once again next to his father. The joy of a brand new covenant where every human being had complete access to God. This was exciting for Jesus. So he longed and he craved for this Passover because it was going to completely change just hours later. 
No longer would it be a Passover celebration of freedom from Egypt, freedom from the slavery of Egyptians, but a communion celebration of freedom from sin. Big difference. Being freed from Egypt was, wow, that had to be amazing. Can you imagine your great, 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 great grandfather was a slave of the Egyptians and now here you are, and you have freedom now. But Jesus did something so much better. It's freedom from sin. It's freedom in him. It's new life in him. It doesn't matter where you live on the planet. It doesn't matter if you're still a slave or if you're free. It doesn't matter if you have a million dollars in your account or it's at negative balance right now. When you have new life in Christ, it means everything in the world. Your eternity is secure. The Holy Spirit is with you. He'll lead you. He'll open doors. He'll guide you. He's always, 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 always there. Do we realize this? Do we understand this? So today as we talk about this, why was Jesus so excited? Because there was a new covenant that was being initiated, a new way of life. Now before we celebrate together in communion today, I want us to look at a couple things that Jesus didn't say. I want to help maybe clarify some things so that when we receive communion together today, that we can do it with a sense of freedom, with no condemnation, with no guilt, and with a focus where it should be. What communion is and what communion is not. That's what we're going to look at. So let's start today with the is nots. Last week, we started out with the series, and what we're doing is it's kind of meme-based. How many know what a social meme is? You go on, you see them on Facebook all over. It's usually a real picture, and then they put their own little tagline or slogan. It's normally not what the person said because it's meant to be sarcastic and laugh. And how many laugh at them? Raise your hand. You can be honest today. Okay, well, maybe, maybe only I laugh, but I think they're funny. So what we're doing today is we're looking at a meme of Jesus or two, and we're going to see what it is that he didn't say. So let's look at this first one. Here's Jesus with his disciples. You can tell Judas is there in the end. Look at that. Look at that snake look right there. He says, communion is for the worthy. Communion is for the worthy. Now, some of us laugh at this, but some of us are like, yeah, of course it is. I mean, read your Bible. I used to think this. It's, it's only for the worthy. But you know the truth of what Jesus said and what he showed in his actions is that communion is for everybody. Follow me here. Communion is for everybody. My first point is this today, that communion is good news in a cup. It's good news in the cup. It's, it's the gospel in a cup and a wafer. You're like, okay, what's this wafer in this thing? I mean, I've heard things like it's really the body of Christ. No, it's just symbolic. It's not going to turn into Jesus isn't going to die again, and it's going to turn. This isn't cannibalism. This is symbolism. So as we take it today, we're focusing on the body and the blood of Christ. But this idea that communion is for the worthy is not biblical. Communion is for everybody. Communion is good news in a cup. You know, I love it when a new restaurant opens in town. We've had a few open recently in the last few years, and as you can tell, I love to eat. But what's really cool is we're part of the Chamber of Commerce, and I love it when they're chamber members because we have this thing called a ribbon cutting. And what we do is people come, and and it's open free, and usually there's light refreshments and things, and we check out the business, and then we do a picture with the ribbon cutting, and it's exciting. But when it's a restaurant, what's really exciting is it's usually not just light refreshments. I mean, it's like food off the menu. We're sampling things. It's really awesome. Now, imagine this. Imagine you attend this ribbon cutting, 
And as you're walking through, there's the owner at the door, and he's like, welcome. We're so glad you're here today. Just come in and take a seat. We love the fact that you're here at my restaurant. I hope you enjoy your time with us today. And as you walk in and, and you get seated, you start to smell that heavenly feast. Everything has to be spiritual. You start to smell that heavenly feast coming from the kitchen. You're like, oh, man, your mouth starts to water, and you're excited about this. But then it's time to serve the food. The owner stands up, and he says, Hey, we want to thank everyone for being here today, but I just want to let you know that you can't partake of any of the food today. This food is only for our family, but you're more than welcome to watch us eat. (laughs) Yeah, I think my first, what the? Seriously? Yeah, yeah, you can totally stay and watch us eat. I know you were surprised when I said that. You thought I was going to say you had to leave, but you can stay and watch us eat, but you can't eat any of the food. It's only for the family. It's interesting to me that Jesus never said anything like that. But see, sometimes we can say things like that when we say, well, we're going to have communion today, but you can't partake because you're not a member of this church. You can't partake because I know you got some sin in your life, brother and sister. But you can watch us. You're laughing because here we allow everyone to receive communion. I think it's a beautiful time to focus on Jesus. But there's some churches that say, you're not a member, you can't do it. I'm not trying to put down other churches. I'm just saying, Jesus never said anything like this. He never said, I'm sorry, but uh, you can watch us. So who can partake of communion? You know, Jesus never specified limits on who could and who couldn't. But I think we do, again, if, if we say you're not a church member, you've got some sin in your life, please don't partake of the Lord's table today, but you can watch us. We think we're doing a good deed, but really it becomes offensive. You know that Jesus, on the contrary, he ate with anyone, anywhere, anytime. But we have higher standards than Jesus. Think about it for a minute. In his time, the religious got all riled up because, you know, Jesus is hanging out with those tax collectors and sinners. I think it's funny that they put tax collectors in with sinners, like, specifically. Isn't that funny? Anyone here work for the IRS? Good. But see, if they were here today, we'd be like, oh, tax collectors? <laughs> Forget about it. Oh, prostitutes, sinners? No, 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 no. Not a chance. This is only for those who are worthy. But let's be honest. If we really want to look at worthiness, none of us are worthy. The only reason that I'm worthy today, and many of you are, is because of Jesus Christ. We've simply said yes That's what's amazing about this covenant is he came in. It's considered a grant covenant. Grant covenants are beautiful because what it is is it's one party saying, we will do everything that needs to be done. You simply say yes. Will you be in it? What? Do you know God desired this? God even desired that type of covenant with Israel at Mount Sinai, but they said no, withdrew from the mountain and said, Moses, you deal with it covenant was changed because the people said no. They didn't understand. They had that slave mentality after 400 some years. I get it. But what about us? Do we still have that slave mentality? I'm a slave to sin. I have issues. I'm not worthy. You know, your worthiness comes from what Jesus did for you. And when you focus on him, you'll see your life clean up. That's the difference. It's not about you and what you've done wrong. It's about him and everything that he did right. So at the Last Supper, Jesus served communion. Think about this. He served communion to men who hours later denied knowing him. 
The Bible says that Peter denied him three times and the third time with cursing and swearing. What? You just said, Lord, I will never leave your side. He served communion to men who ran away and deserted him in his greatest time of need. They ran away, they deserted him. Think about this. He served communion to a man who was betraying him to have him killed. In that very room. We know him as Judas, right? He still offered communion to Judas, and he knew Judas would betray him. You know what's sad about the story of Judas? He's he hung himself. He went back, and the, 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 the 30 uh, coins of, of silver that he got, he threw it on the temple floor, and then he went and hung himself, and all he had to do was say, Jesus, I'm sorry. He would have been forgiven. He didn't realize. He didn't know. So Jesus serves everybody. Communion is good news in a cup. So who is communion for? It's for everyone and anyone who needs to hear the good news. If you're here today and you say, I don't know if I can receive communion with it because I just don't feel worthy. That's okay. It's just a feeling. But God has made us worthy. In Christ, you are completely worthy. And you might say, I don't think I'm in Christ. Well, we'll give you an opportunity at the end to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to what he did. But bottom line is everybody is welcome and everybody is worthy to receive communion. The second meme I want to look at is this. Here's Jesus. He's hanging out with a couple guys getting ready to break bread. And he says this. When you do communion, remember your sins. Why are you guys laughing? New people are like, why are they laughing? Is sin okay? Absolutely not. Sin burns. It stings. It's no good. But if you think that sin can hold you back from communion, you know that communion many times can be that catalyst to get you to focus on Jesus, to take care of that sin issue in your life. But we've been deceived in thinking, well, we're not good enough. And because I have sin, I can't do it. And the very thing that can help you through that process of, of becoming holy, you know, be holy as I am holy is communion. Why? Because it's focused on Jesus. Jesus did not say when you do communion, remember your sins. Point two, Communion is remembering Jesus. Big difference. Now, are we making light of sin? Absolutely not. In fact, I think when we, when we try to live better, when we, when we kind of show Christianity as a behavior improvement program, I think that's when we're light on sin because we're saying, I can do this, man. I can do this. I can be better. Watch me, God. Watch what I do. But you know, Christianity isn't you doing it on your own and proving yourself to God. It's the Holy Spirit right there staying with you, working with you, showing you, teaching you to say no to ungodliness. That's what Paul told us. Teaching us the way of righteousness. But sometimes we, I guess, disconnect ourselves from the very source of life, the very source of change to those issues, and really it's focusing on him. So communion is remembering Jesus. Here's some things Jesus didn't say about communion. When you take communion, take a moment to remember how you stole stationery from the office. When you take communion, remember how you flipped that person off and cussed them out when they cut you off in traffic. Remember, when you're taking communion, how you cheated on your taxes. Many of you did that just last week. When you receive communion... Remember, listen to this, remember the naughty stuff that you looked at online. 
Now, when I say this, I don't want anyone to go, wow, so like it's not a big deal? Absolutely, it's a big deal. You look at naughty stuff online, you might lose a girlfriend or a marriage. You might end up in counseling you never wanted, right? You flip someone off on the expressway, they might have road rage in a gun in their glove compartment. There's no excuse. I mean, there's always consequences for our actions. Do you follow me? I'm not saying let's be light on sin. I'm saying that that sin's only going to change when we focus on Jesus. We focus on him as our source of life, as our source for the good works and the fruit that we desire to see. It's not putting law on yourself. Do you follow me here? We have a law, and Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love others as I have loved you. The Bible says it's no longer on tablets of stone. That law of loving others as he loved you has been sown into our brand new heart that he's given us as believers. So think about this. We just had a series called The Way of Love. When you walk out love, when you walk the way of love, you're not going to cuss somebody out. You're not going to look at the naughty stuff online. You're not going to cheat on your taxes. Why? Because you got something so much better. Relationship with the God of the universe. This is a big deal, folks. How about the spiritual side? Jesus doesn't say, remember how you didn't read any of your Bible this week. Remember, this is the second, I'm sorry, third service you've missed this month. Remember how you fought with your spouse and you yelled at your kids just this morning on your way in the church. You're like, oh my gosh, he must have had a microphone in there. But this is human nature. There's issues. We, we struggle with things. But, but Jesus isn't pointing out your sin. He's pointing out his answer to sin himself. His finished work on the cross. We don't make light on sin, but I'm telling you, the answer to not doing those things that you, that you don't want to do is focusing on Jesus and the fact that you are righteous. In a nutshell, Jesus is not saying, remember how you're a lousy human being. No, Jesus said none of that. Instead, he said something like this. When you take communion, take a moment to remember my love that is greater than your failings. Remember my grace that trumps your sin. Remember my strength that shines in your weaknesses. Remember my supply that exceeds your needs. Here's what he simply says. Remember me. As we receive communion today, I want us to remember what Jesus did for us. He's the source of our life. He's the source of growth. He's the source of fruit. He's the source of good works. And he promised to never leave us. He will not give up on any of us. Looking again at Luke chapter 22 and verse 14. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Now, when we read this now, I I hope we have a better picture of what this really looked like. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. What's the it? Do you remember the famous words of Christ on the cross? Three words. It is finished. The old way of living. Trying to live by moral codes and sacrifices. Jesus was saying, it is finished. There's a new covenant now in my blood. Will you receive it? No longer would it be a Passover celebration of freedom from Egypt, but a communion celebration of freedom from sin. This is a big difference. Paul talks about us being slaves of sin. 
Do you realize that in a new covenant, we're no longer a slave of sin? And now we have brand new covenant freedom in Christ. Look at verse 17. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19, and he took bread, gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in what? Remembrance of who? Me. Remember Jesus. Verse 20, likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Will you bow your heads and just close your eyes for a moment? If you're here today and, and you would say, you know what, Pastor Andy, I've, uh, I, I don't, I've never made the decision for Jesus. I wouldn't consider myself a follower of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about someone who has confessed him as Lord and you're struggling issues in your life. Uh, the way through those issues in your life is to refocus on who saved you, the author and the finisher of your faith. That's Jesus Christ. He doesn't author it and then you finish it. I'm talking to people who have never made that decision for Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, you know, I've heard the story and, and I believe that God loved me so much that he sent his son. I believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. I believe that he died on a cross and his blood was shed to eradicate sin. No more separation because of sin from God. And I also believe that God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day after that crucifixion. If you're here today and you believe that in your heart, just quickly raise your hand. If you're here today and you say, I believe that and I receive that, just quickly raise your hand. I thank you for every person here, Father God, those who have made that decision today, that they believe that you died for them. They believe that you were raised from the dead. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you now live in them and with them to help them in every issue in their lives. I thank you for those who have made the decision today that as we had looked in the scriptures to see the excitement that you had as this new covenant came into being, the excitement that you had in new relationship that mankind could once again have with the Heavenly Father. I pray that we've seen that we are worthy and that our focus should always be Jesus. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.